The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And we're back, just like Cam Newton, Shereen Williams, Mike Florio, PFTPM, Monday edition on Peacock and on SiriusXM 85. Shereen, before we get into any of the news of the day, I must confess something to you. I have developed... Uh-oh. Uh, we don't know where I'm going yet. I, <laughs> I don't. I have um, developed... That's what scares me. I have developed a stomach ulcer. I have developed a polyp in the duodenum. Okay. I have No, I have developed an urge to buy one share of Packers stock. I don't know why. <laughs> I know that it's not really stock. I know that it has no value. I know that I can't sell it. I know that all it is is a piece of paper suitable for framing. I feel compelled to do it. Because so many have done it. Like, all these people over the years can't be wrong, can they? I feel like I must do it. It's my duty to PFT, to the NFL, and to Green Bay Packers Incorporated to spend $300 on nothing at all just so I can say I own a sliver, a very tiny, a very minuscule piece of the Green Bay Packers. All right, so if you buy the stock and you get your certificate, where are you going to frame it? Where are you going to put it? Probably in the barn. I'll find a spot for it in the barn. Okay. Wouldn't it be That's neat, though? Wouldn't it be yeah. neat? Wait, I, and, and look, it's not on the rundown for today, but I just I keep thinking about this concept of money for nothing. It is money yeah. for nothing. And I am stunned that other teams haven't figured out some sort of a way to make exactly. 1% of their equity available to do the same damn thing. Because it's a way for the fans to just throw money at their favorite team. Because that's all they're doing. They're throwing money at their favorite team. They are buying nothing. And the last time the Packers did this, I had a real problem with it. Now I look at it and I say, hey, people can piss away their money on whatever they want to. They've spent it on far less. Why not do it? They all should do it. Jerry Jones talking to you. Where are you? What are you doing? You're always in this to make money. This is an easy way to sell the Cowboys. Come on, Jerry. Jump to this. Figure out a way. But not sell. No, no. 1%. So you still own yeah, the team. Yeah, 1%. That's what I'm saying. But all, yes. these, all these people Figure give you money. Figure out a way to do it. And you, you do it every 10 years. Another stock offering. Further diluting the shares that are already out there. But it doesn't matter because you don't own anything <laughs> other than the piece of paper. It's the ultimate piece of memorabilia for 300 dollars and they're making 300,000 shares available so I think I'm going to buy one I think I am it's going to be my Christmas present from myself to myself oh by the way Green Bay Packers stock available tomorrow morning for anyone else out there that would like to own absolutely nothing all right let's get into the news slightly more than absolutely nothing Cam Newton is back and I was told yesterday strong chance he starts this week against Ron Rivera and the Washington football team Here is Matt Rule, the coach of the Carolina Panthers, on the plan for Cam Newton this week as they get ready to face Washington. 
I think what we're going to do, you know, we'll give Cam most of the reps this week. You know, PJ will get reps, obviously, you know, as you know, as as he, as he always has. But I will give Cam most of the reps and try to get him as uh, you know as brought up to speed as possible. Um, I thought he did a great job last week. You know, having ten plays that he was kind of ready for, ten to fifteen. You know, um, so you know, we'll, we'll we'll start getting him ready. And if if he's ready to start, great. And uh, if it's a you know if he's not quite ready yet to do everything, then you know obviously PJ's available. Um, so. Um, you know, it's kind of that plan right now. What will you have to see from Cam in order to give you the confidence that you can start him this week? Not really. It's not really confidence. It's just more like how, how much we how much we can get in, you know, to him. You know, so um, especially late in the season, there's only so many practice reps. So um, we'll just kind of take it day by day and, and uh, you know, get him as up to speed as possible. He counted for two touchdowns on only nine snaps yesterday, 12% of the total offense, his 43rd career game with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, extending the NFL record. He looked great. He sounded great. It was great. And the Panthers who, look, they're playing quarterback wheel of fortune. They spun the wheel on Teddy Bridgewater. Didn't work out. Spun the wheel on Sam Darnold. Didn't work out. Now it's just a matter of getting through the rest of the year. Now it's just a matter of planning for their next attempt to find a franchise quarterback. And why not? Why not do this? Why not embrace this? Why not own this? Why not love this moment of Cam coming home? It generates excitement. It's going to fill the stadium. And it's, you know, the ultimate bright, shiny object while the Panthers otherwise try to figure out who they are, what they are, and what they're going to be, Shireen. Well, absolutely, Mike. And let me throw this out at you. What if Cam comes back, that shoulder is healed more than it has been the last couple of years. We know he struggled throwing the ball last year for the Patriots. Eight touchdowns, ten interceptions in 15 games. But let's just say, let's just say this time off has really done that shoulder good, and he's really good. What if, what if he looks really good? What if he leads the Panthers to the playoffs? I mean, they're sitting there at 5-5. Five and five. They're a game and a half behind the Buccaneers in the division. What if he looks great the rest of the way? Is is Cam their quarterback? We know they had interest in Deshaun Watson, as you've reported. They tried to trade for him. Is he going to get a chance to be the guy for this team beyond this season, Mike? Well, and it gives the Panthers some flexibility if Cam ends up playing like he did. You know, twenty well, 2015 may be a little bit much to expect. He doesn't have to be MVP yeah. level. But, but, you know, what does he have left? And... How much can he do before the wear and tear, the grind, the injuries begin to pop up? But we're talking about half of a season and then reassess and figure out what they're going to do next year. And it's a nice bird in the hand to have while they consider whatever other options they may, just like the Patriots did last year. They signed Cam Newton. That provides a certain amount of cover for their plan to go get Mac Jones. They get Mac Jones, and they don't need Cam Newton ultimately. And once they – once they're comfortable that Mac Jones is going to check enough boxes and be ready to go week one, they can move on from Cam Newton. The Panthers could do that next year. It may be a little more awkward for the Panthers to do it, but they've already done it before. I remember Matt Rule yeah. at the scouting combine 2020 sitting with us in Indianapolis and saying, can't wait to coach Cam Newton. You know what? He was telling the truth. It just was about 18 months after the fact because they were trying to trade him at the time and they ended up cutting him. So this just gives them an asset. This gives them an option. This gives them a fallback position in the event that David Tepper's ongoing quest to get a franchise quarterback doesn't come to fruition after this season, whether it's a veteran they pursue, whether it's 
a rookie they'd like to get, and they're going to be drafting low enough if they keep on the track they're currently on that they're not going to get one of the best guys available unless they trade up. I, I, I just think that I think that it's great for the Panthers. It's great for football. And it, it's not the long-term answer David Tepper wants, but it's the short-term solution David Tepper and the Panthers need. Oh, it's generated so much excitement in Carolina. There's no question about that. And probably will sell some more jerseys and sell some more tickets. And everybody wants to see Cam in his return to Carolina. I wanted to watch that game yesterday. I wanted to see what Cam was going to do. And to me, it's amazing. He signed, what, Thursday? And to come back and even have the nine snaps that he played, four of those were pass attempts, three of those were runs. He had the long pass that resulted in a 33-yard pass interference penalty. For as little time as he was there, as little practice as he got, and this is not the same offense that he had when he was with the Panthers the first time. So totally different offense. Has to learn the verbiage. Has to learn what they want to do. And I'm not sure he's going to be able to learn all that by Sunday. Matt Rule talked about the two-minute package, end-of-game stuff. That may be P.J. Walker. I think we're going to see probably both quarterbacks on Sunday if Cam Newton does indeed start. But this is exciting, and I want to see what he's going to do Sunday with even more reps. And I also wonder, Mike, how many other teams in the NFL that have quarterback problems are sitting there going, man, I wish we had signed Cam, because I know there are teams out there right now today saying that. Well, but, but it was a very specific set of circumstances that would have worked no question. for Cam Newton. He's got to be the starter, which means your starter either has to be injured for the year or a guy that you're just done with and you're willing to bench or get rid of because once Cam's in the building, Cam takes over. We saw it yesterday. He took over with only yep. nine snaps. He had nine snaps. He wasn't the starter yesterday. And who made the headlines? It was Cam. Who was at the press conference after the game with Robbie Anderson? It was Cam. P.J. Walker, I don't even know if he spoke because it was Cam, Cam, Cam. That's the way it's going to be. And that's why I think it took so long for the right opportunity to emerge and also, it, it made it beautiful and perfect that it was the Panthers that found themselves in that spot. You know, the Seahawks thought about it a few weeks back when Russell Wilson was injured. It would have been a short-term thing, and now he'd be back on the bench, presumably. He wasn't vaccinated at the time. That was the message for him to go get vaccinated because teams aren't waiting around for five days for somebody to become available after they pass through the COVID protocol if they're not vaccinated. So he was ready after that, good to go, and it just worked out perfectly for Cam Newton and the Panthers. So, hey, look at the NFC standings, Shireen. It's wide open, yeah. not just for the seven. It is. With the Saints losing two in a row, the six is becoming up for grabs, too. Yep. Oh, it's wide open. Number one's up for, up for grabs right now, Mike. I mean, there's a select few teams that are in the running for that. But everything's wide open in the NFC, and we're going to get to see the Rams tonight, see what they have after we saw what the Cowboys had yesterday. Now the Bucks have taken a step back. So, yes, this thing in the NFC suddenly has become wide open, especially with the Cardinals, without DeAndre Hopkins, without Kyler Murray. Perhaps maybe Kyler will return this week. If he doesn't, maybe they lose again. So this thing is completely wide open in the NFC right now, and the Panthers – I'm the one that said they have no chance to make the postseason. I felt really good about it after last week. They looked like a playoff team with what they did to the Cardinals. And I know that Kyler Murray wasn't there. I know DeAndre Hopkins wasn't there. But they played really well in that game without their starting quarterback and, and looked really good. They looked like a playoff team yesterday. 
We've been in a, in, in a seesaw over this because when we did that we draft have. stupidly, and I think it was my idea, Yeah, you took the Panthers as one of the teams that has no chance to make the playoffs. I took the Bengals. And at various times We're in the in season, trouble. we've felt very good, and then we felt very <laughs> bad. And then you feel very good, and then you feel very bad. So we'll see how that ultimately plays out. But the Panthers very much alive. Washington very much alive. The game this weekend, the winner is going to be in pretty yeah. good shape to try to make a run at seven or six. You mentioned the Buccaneers, who for a while seemed like a lock to be the number one seed. Last year they had to go on the road for every playoff game. This year maybe they get the week off and they stay in Tampa through the Super Bowl, not all the way through the Super Bowl like last year, literally, but they'd have to go on the road for that. But now, two losses in a row. I feel like they're starting to get a little antsy. I feel like they're getting a little nervous, maybe a little desperate. It's not going the way it was supposed to. Here's Bruce Arians clarifying today some Strong comments he had yesterday, placing blame on Tom Brady for a couple of interceptions, even though one of them clearly was not his fault. Arians tried to put some toothpaste back in the tube today. Here he is. The second straight week that Brady's had multiple interceptions. Can you just speak to what was going on maybe with the receivers? And- no, I had nothing to do with receivers. It was him. Somebody asked me what the second interception was. All right, not both of them. I didn't consider the first one interception to me. That's a fumble. And, yeah, it uh, looked like it. Was, yeah. it uh, so I didn't even, in my mind, that wasn't an interception. So the other one was, you know, just a little sailed over, over Mike's head. But uh, no, I didn't, I wouldn't consider that first one a pick. Um, uh, um, okay. I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm maybe speechless and also, uh, I got some water down the wrong pipe. Either way, what the hell is he talking about, Shireen? He he didn't say – I mean, it was clear they were talking about multiple interceptions yeah. on Sunday. It's not that complicated. I think he was at the game. I suspect he watched the game. <laughs> when you're asked about the second straight week of multiple interceptions and he says they are on him, what the hell else is he talking about? So, uh, nice, I, nice save, B.A. You don't want TB12 up your butt and – uh, you know, I, I think he realized how stupid it was to blame the first one on Tom Brady. And in this post-truth society we live in, you just act like you didn't say what you said. Problem solved. Boom roasted. Well, I thought it could have been a fumble, too. But then if it's a fumble, then it, it's only one interception. So as you said, he exactly. he didn't get it. So. You know, this is sounds like Bruce Arians from last year when we wondered how that would go over with Tom Brady when he started questioning Tom Brady. They had the losing streak there. Uh, they started out six and two last year, lost three or four, had those back to back losses. This reminds me a lot of of what they went through last year, and then they turned it on, and and they won the last four of the regular season. We know what they did in the postseason. Are they going to be able to do that again this year? I don't know. That defense to me doesn't look as good as it was last year. I know they've had all those injuries in the secondary. I get it. Other teams have had injuries. You're not playing at the level you did last year. You can't allow a 10-minute, whatever it was, drive at the end of a game when the game's on the line. You just can't do that. I don't care who you're missing, what you're missing. You can't allow that to happen, especially with that guy, Taylor Heineke, at quarterback. You just can't do that. So I have serious questions now about this team, Mike. They're going to make the playoffs. They may make the playoffs as a wild card. Who knows? With the Saints struggling, maybe not. Maybe they end up winning the division. But – to me, they look like a team that's going to have to go on the road again to win, to get back to the Super Bowl. I just don't know if they have it in them this year like they did last year. They don't look anything like the same team right now to me. 
And, and it can't just be that not having Gronk and Antonio Brown is what's doing it. Although right. early in the year, you looked at the offense reaching a higher level when you can trust that Gronk is going to be in a position to make right. a catch in the red zone. All Tom Brady's got to do is throw it close. I think they're rattled by what's going on. They were 6-1. and one. They, they face a Saints team without Drew Brees. Jameis Winston gets knocked out early with injury. Trevor Simeon's, uh, Simeon beats them. They have their two weeks to study and prepare and pick up where they left off last year coming off of the bye week and how great they were. Now it was much later in the season. It was four regular season games and then on to the postseason. But I think they are rattled. And my guess is that based on how pissy Tom Brady was yesterday, when he caught wind of Bruce Arians blaming him for an interception that clearly was not his fault, yeah. I suspect that Now, I don't know any of this, but there's always something that goes on behind the curtain. These are human beings. And Tom had a human moment yesterday. Make this quick, he says, as he shows up at the press room. Make this quick. Ooh, Tommy Tommy really is human. It's kind of nice to see it. It's like in Seinfeld (laughs) when Jerry got mad and started yelling and screaming at everybody. It's good to see that he's human still. But I, I suspect that the message was sent along the lines of, hey, listen, old man, you got a Super Bowl ring because of me, not because of you but because of me. You want a second one? You better stop it. You want to have any chance of me coming back next year or maybe instead forcing my way out so I can go play for somebody else who may be in a better position to help me get to number eight or maybe number nine? Keep it up because that's what I'll do. You know, it may have been a little more tactful. It may have been sent through an intermediary, but he'd be justified to send that message to Bruce yeah. Arians, Shereen, because they won that Super Bowl not because of Bruce Arians. They won that Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. So tread lightly, Bruce Arians. Yeah, no question about it. And everything Arians does is calculated, but I'm not sure really what that was calculated toward yesterday. Because, yes, Tom Brady has, what, four interceptions in the past two games. He hasn't played very well in those two games. But it's not all on Tom Brady. There's no question about that. And you're right. That Super Bowl was won by Tom Brady, not by Bruce Arians. Tom Brady won another Super Bowl, and without Tom Brady, Bruce Arians wasn't going to win that Super Bowl last year. So he better appreciate Tom Brady while he has him. Who knows how long he'll be there? Who knows if they get back to the Super Bowl this year? But he better enjoy it while he has him and has him playing at a high level. All right. The, uh, well, hey, next Monday night's game becomes much more interesting Buccaneers at Giants we know how historically the Giants have been deviled Tom Brady plus Joe Judge coach of the Giants knows Tom Brady plus 15 days to get ready for the game after the Giants beat the Raiders feel pretty good about themselves maybe they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs maybe the Giants will have a little something something for Tommy next week and they lose that game they're six and four and yeah Yeah. It's red alert time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if that happens. All right. Uh, It goes from red alert to green alert to red alert to green alert every other week for the Denver Broncos. They looked great last week going into Dallas and beating the Cowboys up 30 to nothing in the fourth quarter before a couple of garbage time touchdowns. And then yesterday they get splattered at home (laughs) by the Philadelphia Eagles. An interesting question emerged and look i am a firm believer let me just say this right now and this applies to every quarterback after a turnover you get the hell out of the way do not get in the way of the action 
because you don't need to get yourself injured. Here's Teddy Bridgewater making a little bit of a of a bit of, of a business decision there. If you saw it, it it was a, a, you know he leaned in and pulled back. It, it, Shereen, I mean, before we get to the sound, look at look at. I mean, that's just bad. Just walk yeah. away. Don't even act like you're getting close to it. Just stay out of the fray. No one is going to blame you. I remember in the preseason when Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, after Tua Tagovailoa threw an interception and went and dropped his shoulder into the action as whoever it was was returning the ball. And Flores was like, yeah, when you make a mistake, you got to go out there and you got to make that tackle. No, you have to live to play another day. You don't want your starting quarterback to get himself injured. So... I have no problem with the concept of staying the hell out of the action. I have a big problem with getting close enough to the fire that you yank your hand away and it becomes very conspicuous and laughable. Yeah, no, absolutely, Mike. Totally agree with you there. And it wasn't his turnover. So, you know, as a fumble, he get out of the way at that point. You see the fumble being returned, move. But it comes off as a bad look because he looked like he thought about making that tackle and said, eh, no. And he talked about today how hard it was to watch the film. Whether he was truthful or not, it had to be hard to watch the film because there's no question you made a business decision. No question. We all saw it out there. And as you said, if he just gets away from nobody's saying anything, if he just heads toward the sideline, get out of the way, nobody's talking about this today. Instead, we're talking about the business decision that he's made. No problem with the decision, but don't act like you're making the tackle and then pull out. And we are indeed talking about it today. And it's not just us. It's Broncos coach Vic Fangio who had to talk about it today and also Bridgewater himself who had to explain why he did what he did. Here they are uh, from today. Well, I'd like to see us all pursue it a little bit better offensively and find a way to get that guy down. You know, and at the top of the uh, where Teddy got involved, I think he thought he was forcing it back into somebody else that had an angle on him. But I'd like to see Teddy at least throw and, you know, make, make a uh, play at the guy. Man, we watched it today uh, as a team. And, um, you know, Coach pointed it out, you know, um, that, hey, my effort had to be better there. And I, I totally agree. Um, that's not, you know, the type of tape that I want to put out there. You know, and um, it's one of those situations where you, you get pissed, you know, after you watch it because it's like, you know, you know how much this game means to you. You know, you know, guys out there trying to make a play. And, you know, it's like you feel like you got a little help running towards the sideline. You try to force a cutback. But in slow, in real time, in slow motion, I'm sorry. In real time, it feels like, hey, everything's happening fast. I should force a cutback. But when you slow it down, it's like, man, you know, just give more effort. That because the sideline was on the other side. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't, look, I, I, I'm a firm – I'm a firm believer in quarterbacks protecting themselves, and I wish that's what we would have heard today because that is defensible. What Teddy Bridgewater said isn't yeah. defensible. When you say, I'm the quarterback and i got to stay healthy, and I was just trying to redirect him and maybe slow him down a little bit, but I wasn't going to throw my body in there because they tell us all the time, don't get yourself injured. That's what I was doing. I, I, I'm fine with that. But I, why are they afraid to say that? Are, are they afraid that fans are going to say that, that the quarterback's – afraid look we've seen time and again and we talk about it all the time that quarterbacks who don't avoid contact get injured they get hit and they get hurt we're going to talk about one in a second 
I wish they would just admit it. I don't think the fans are going to question the manhood of quarterbacks who make the smart decision to stay the hell out of the action after a turnover. Yeah, no question, Mike. And, you know, we're going to talk about Baker Mayfield, and you see what he's going through with the shoulder injury, and it's his left shoulder. So you've got to stay out of harm's way, and and Teddy did that, but he should have said that. What I am curious about is I'm guessing today was not his regular day to talk. Quarterbacks don't generally talk on Monday, so I'm wondering, and I haven't checked on this yet, but if they – toted him out there today and put him on there because he said he wanted to talk or the Broncos said you should talk about this it's a bad look I am curious how that came about that he actually talked today about it Mike because he talked after the game and he had a different story after the game well and you know what that's funny because as we were setting this up and I saw in the notes that it was from today I had that flash of wait a minute do they play Thursday night what am I missing here like no, yeah, they don't. Exactly. Why would he talk today? I'm, that's, that, that's a good idea, and it's something that I'm going to look into and understand why it is that Teddy Bridgewater ended up speaking today. But it may have been to just try to put the to- toothpaste back in the tube. You mentioned yep. Baker Mayfield. He's day-to-day with a knee contusion that was suffered in the more traditional way, you know, getting tackled in the pocket. But he, you can see the <laughs> harness. He's still got issues with his left shoulder. Why? Because he had to go try to make a tackle after an interception. No, no, don't. Stop it. The quarterbacks need to be available. After a turnover, it's 11 on 10 at that point. Quarterback, get the hell out of the way. That's it. And, you know, I'm not even going to say play deep safety. Just get out of the way. If you can attract one of the 11 and make it 9 on 10, then maybe that's acceptable. Or maybe you can attract two of them because they're, like, going to try to hit you or something. I don't know. I just – I – regardless, Baker Mayfield, left shoulder injury – knee injury it's going to be hard for him to get to where he needs to be by way of becoming a potential franchise quarterback shereen if he can't get to 100 percent, it's not going to be a true reflection well, of how good he is it's going to complicate yeah. their contract talks well there's no question mike and this does not look like a playoff team they don't make the playoffs you have big questions about what the browns will do i would be very surprised if they give him a contract extension after this season very surprised if that happens well and if they do ultimately give him a new contract, it's going to be, I believe, at a different level than the highest-paid quarterbacks in the game, and he may not want that. But at some point, he may need to be realistic about what he wants because he's not playing like a guy who deserves $40 million-plus per year, especially because he can't stay healthy, and that's one of the hallmarks of being a true franchise quarterback. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, there's not much about the Jets that's interesting, There's a feud between their current coach and their former coach that is. Discuss that next on PFT PM. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This guy's supposed to be a defensive guru. I heard everything, and, and I take it personal on this one. Everything I heard about was, well, this guy's a lot like a lot like myself, but without the, the bad part. Yeah, well... 
Some of the bad part you need. And don't ever compare this guy to me, this Robert Sala to me. Because statistically, one time they were like a top defense. All right? four. Out of, here's one thing they're going to be familiar with. Four out of five years, the 49ers were dead last in their division. So he's going to be dead last again. So he's used to that. So to me... I'm a little pissed off about it when when I hear that this guy, you know, his background's a lot, lot like yours. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Quit trying to tell the New York fan base that he's going to be like me as a defensive-minded guy or whatever. Honestly, you know what? I've never met Rex. I've never had a conversation with Rex. I don't even know him except for people who know him throughout the league. So, obviously, if it's that personal for him, he knows where to find me. So, Were you surprised that he said it? Oh, I'm not surprised by him. He's He's always got something to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. I love a good fight that doesn't involve me. Rex Ryan versus Robert Sala. I was surprised. And, you know, what happened was, Shereen, I was going to write something about how Joe Douglas, as GM of the Jets, really hasn't done much. And at what point is he on the hot seat? Because that roster is indeed a hot mess. And then I tripped over on SNY an item about the Rex Ryan comments. And I thought, oh, here's we got a new headline. Because very strong comments from Rex Ryan, who I think would still very much like to coach the Jets. And frankly, when Woody Johnson came back to run the team back in January, I kind of hoped for Rex to be rehired to coach the Jets. Wouldn't that be awesome? So there's probably some jealousy, some resentment, this notion that I never really got a fair chance and I'm a better coach than this guy and don't compare this guy to me. Then again, I haven't seen anybody compare Robert Sala and Rex Ryan. I had uh, Josh Alper, who works with us at PFT, is a, a Jets aficionado, and he hadn't heard about any such comparison. But I love it. I hope it continues because it's really the only thing right now that is even remotely interesting about the Jets, given that the Mike White era mercifully has ended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it lasted one game, Mike. That, that It didn't last long at all. But, yeah, this, this is great. And it's why you love Rex Ryan. It's why he's good on TV because he has outlandish opinions. He's not afraid to say what's on his mind. And he truly believes what he just said. And I'll say this. He wasn't good as the Jets head coach, 46-50 and 50 in his career as the head coach there. But he always produced really good defenses. I think the worst defense he had was 11th in yards. So he was really good on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm with you. Joe Douglas needs to be under fire with the talent that, that has been on this roster and is on this roster now. And I realize they've lost Carl Lawson. They don't have Marcus May. They don't have LaMarcus Joyner. I get all that. They've had some injuries. Every team has injuries. They have no depth on this team, and they really have no really big stars. They have a handful of guys, if you held a draft today, that would be top picks in the, in the draft. They just don't have that many stars on this team. So I think Joe Douglas should be in trouble. Robert Sala is going to get his chance to prove Rex Ryan wrong. Uh, but it's, it's great right now, Mike. We're talking about it, and it's the only reason to talk about the Jets, as you said. Yeah, and uh, the other thing to talk about as it relates to the Jets is when will major changes be made. And I'm not a big fan of the half measure. I'm not a big fan of firing Joe Douglas and keeping Robert Sala. Keep them both or fire them both. And it would not be the first time that a coach is fired after one year. In fact, every time it happens and people say, I can't believe they fired a guy after one year, we've got a post that gets updated Every time it happens to add the latest (laughs) name to the list of guys who are one and done. It is not unheard of for a guy to be one and done. It is far more common than you think.
And I'm not saying fire Robert Sala. All I'm saying is keep them both or get rid of them both. Don't do this revolving door where you have mismatched parts because the next GM, if there is one, is not going to want Robert Sala to be the coach. That person, when they finally ascend to the throne of GM after all these years of work and effort, they have a list of names of people that they want to consider as their coach when they finally get that team they've been coveting all these years. That's just how it works. So keep them both or fire them both. But in the meantime, let's enjoy Rex Ryan versus Robert Sala. Shereen, I, I mean, am I, am I missing something, though? Because here's the thing. Adam Gase can blame Mike McCagnan. And then Joe Douglas can blame Adam yeah. Gase. And now Robert Sala can blame Joe Douglas. And then the next GM can blame Robert Sala. And then the next coach can blame the next GM. It's like row, row, row your boat, pro football edition. At some point, and they did this with Idzik and Ryan. They, they got rid of both of yeah. them at the same time. At some point, you just have to hit the reset button and start over. Yeah, exactly, Mike. And, you know, the other place that could happen, obviously, is in Houston with David Culley. We had two minority coaches, I think, were all that were hired in the last hiring cycle, and both could be gone after one year based on what their teams are doing right now. So, unfortunate for Robert Sala, but if he wants to stay, he better figure out a way to win some more games and show some promise going forward, or both of these guys could be out the door. And and it is not as uncommon as people think to be one and done. They figure out quickly. Quickly, sometimes that this isn't the guy we wanted. This isn't the guy that we thought was going to be the guy, especially when it's an assistant coach coming in. Sometimes an assistant coach just isn't going to be a good head coach, and you can figure that out pretty quickly. So not going to surprise me at all if Robert Sala and David Culley are the two guys who are one and done after this season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there will be another guy that's one and done eventually, and then another, and then another. And at some point, we're just not going to be surprised by it. Speaking of surprises, Sunday surprises for week 10. We'll take a look at those when this Monday edition of PFTPM continues right after this. There's a story on NFL Network today about Raw and Monkey Butt. Can you kind of explain that to us? Yeah, it's just, yes. Um, monkey butt, I, I highly recommend it if anybody's n- never used it. It's, uh, it's you know, I won't, I won't get into my personal hygiene here, but it's, you know, raw, red-ass week was the, was the, was the topic. So uh, we're just, you know, making an emphasis based off of correcting, um, you know, what went on last week, and I thought our players did a great job with it. So just had some fun with it. Just, just an emphasis of focus, just another way to focus. So y'all passed around monkey butt in the locker room, coaches did. It's a, it's a, it's a power. So it's just we made a point. So it's a, it's, it looked good on a PowerPoint. If, you, if you've ever seen a can of monkey butt, you, you get it. So it's a, it's a expressive in, in the cure that it's uh, – I don't have the right words. There it is, monkey butt, the cure for swamp ass in Dallas and elsewhere, although it usually happens in Tampa. Um, Hey, whatever it takes to get your team's attention, and it worked. And look, I don't know why or how they stepped on a rake last week against the Broncos. I guess it happens in a 17-game season. They proved today or yesterday, excuse me, how much better they really are than the team we saw last week. And that leads us into our surprises for this week. Shereen, I can tell that this blends right into your first selection. 
Well, yeah, you called me negative last week because I had three negative things, so I thought I'd have throw at least one positive in here. And it was a surprise, I thought, that they played as well as they did. I thought they would win against the Falcons. I thought it would be close, especially the Falcons coming off the way they played against the Saints. I thought they were ready to challenge the Cowboys a little bit. You remember the game last year, the Falcons should have beaten the Cowboys. Now, you know, we have uh, Dan Quinn's defense going up against Matt Ryan, who's going to win in that battle of, of schemes. And it obviously ended up being Dan Quinn who got the game ball after the game. Game. But the Cowboys also were playing without left tackle Tyron Smith. They didn't have either one of their edge rushers. So I thought this would be a close game. It was not a close game. Cowboys scored 29 points in the second quarter, the most points they've ever scored in any get any quarter of any game in their history. So it tells you how bad the Falcons were and how good the Cowboys were. I guess it was just rust with Dak Prescott, and that's all he needed was another week of practice because, to me, Mike, they look like contenders the way they played yesterday. Absolutely, and with the Packers losing last week. And, look, they weren't overpowering yesterday. More on their game in a second. Aaron Rodgers, I know that missing a week may have been a factor, but he wasn't spectacular. There is a away you know the Bucks lost who knows what the Rams are going to be or not be without Robert Woods the Cardinals are struggling you know I thought the Cowboys were locked in as the four seed they have a chance to climb three two and I wouldn't give up on the possibility of getting all the way to number one especially the way they looked yesterday against a Falcons team that was ascending so uh, it's going to be fun next two games over the next 11 days Chiefs Raiders fun times for the Cowboys and the rating for that Raiders Cowboys game in the middle spot of Thanksgiving Day is probably going to be through the roof. The Seattle offense through the floor yesterday, the first shutout in Russell Wilson's tenure with the team. I tweeted that I'm waiting for his agent to provide us with the updated list of the teams to which Russell Wilson will accept a trade. I don't think his agent appreciated that very much, but I don't care. I'm not the one who provided the list of the teams back in March to which Russell Wilson would accept a trade. This is not tracking on a positive path for Russell Wilson wanting to stick around. He has said he wants to be legendary. He wants to be iconic. He's not going to want to be a Seahawk if they can't score a point. And he busted his ass to come back and play more quickly than the average human being would come back. I saw the photo of that finger with the pin crammed vertically down and holding it together in a zigzag incision on the the various injuries that he suffered when he hit his hand on Aaron Donald's helmet. Hey, this guy's doing everything he can to be great. And the problem is he doesn't have the talent and the coaching around him that he needs in order to get to where he wants to be. And I think he's going to want to be somewhere else. They're three and six now. And, and I know that they could still make it in the NFC postseason. And they could get hot. I don't want to rule anything out. But right now it's not good, especially when they were 12-4 and four last year, and that wasn't nearly good enough for Russell Wilson. Right now they're 3-6. and six. This isn't going to end well based on where it's currently going, Shireen. And uh, um, begin, I think, to pay attention to any signals, any signs, and he'll be all in until the season ends. There won't be any cracks. Once the season ends, I think it's going to crumble. And I thought this was a game that they had to win to be in playoff contention. Sitting there at 3-6, and six, it's just really going to be hard. They're not going to have many losses left. And 
the defense has been playing much better since Russell Wilson went out. And I thought the defense played well enough, especially with Aaron Rodgers coming back off not much practice time uh, since he went out with COVID-19. They played well enough to keep them in this game and give them a chance to win. It was just the offense couldn't do anything to score, to, to get into the end zone. Even with the weapons they have, it just didn't happen, Mike. And, and I don't know where this heads, but I have a feeling it's not going to head anywhere good. Even if they make the playoffs, one of the reasons I think that Russell Wilson was upset is they have been 3-5 and five in the postseason since those back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. They just haven't got it, gotten it done, even when they've had home playoff games. So tons of questions about the future of this franchise and the future of Russell Wilson, especially if Wilson leaves. All right, next surprise from Shereen Williams for Week 10. What do you have? Well, I'm going to go with the Raiders. I'm going to go back to the negative side of things, Mike. You know, they had a chance here to play for first place in the division. We all knew that was up for grabs coming into this game. You thought they're at home. They're going to – they've been playing fairly well. They're going to put it together. 82 yards in the first half. And, you know, Basaccia said today maybe they're trying to do too much on offense. I don't know what was going on, but when you get blown out 41-14 to a team that has struggled to score points, it may mean the end of you as a head coach. A lot of the Raiders writers have pointed out Tony Sperano was interim coach in 2014 after Dennis Allen was fired. They started off 0-10, then went 3-3. Mark Davis really wanted to keep him, really liked him. But you know what? They lost to a bad Rams team, 52-0, and he couldn't get over that. So you do wonder if this might have been the end uh, for Rich Passaccia. I hope not. I love Rich Passaccia. I hope this team can make the playoffs, maybe even win the division and and do something special. But they're going to have to overcome this loss now. And this was a very telling loss because, to me, it just like they were overmatched start to finish in this game, Mike. I know how you feel about Rich Passaccia, but – Look, here's the reality. If those emails would have come out back in June when the NFL became familiar with them and Mark Davis yep. would have had to have push chance. out John Gruden, then he wouldn't have gotten the job. And, and frankly, when it was time to make my pick for Sunday night's game and Sims was on the Raiders and plenty of people were on the Raiders, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's Andy Reid versus Rich Bisaccia. Hmm, I'll take Reid. And it was that simple for me. At, at some yeah. point... Basaccia settles in. At some point, the Gruden influence evaporates. It's, it's been more than a month now, and I think we're starting to see what it means to not have John Gruden as the coach of the Raiders, and I think this is going to continue. And it was, it was fun to see them win under serious, adverse circumstances, but I, I just don't think that it's going to last and it's going to crumble, and it may take Mike Mayock with uh, Basaccia and pretty much everyone else as Mark Davis tries to start over next one for me and this is negative but it's kind of positive it's more passive aggressive (laughs) purple purgatory the vikings golf clap they did not blow their lead in a double digit lead in the second half all right vikings we know how this movie ends you blow the lead and then you try to pull a rabbit out of your butts late in the game no they got their 27 17 lead in the or twenty seven twenty lead in the in the so it wasn't double digit was it double digit I think it may have been double digit yes it I was double digit it, well, okay thank 13-3 you thirteen um, three early yep and twenty seven seventeen late they did not blow it they held on and they got the win yeah on their on their home game in L A there was a time where 
the Vikings were rumored to be a team that was headed to L.A. just like the Lakers. It looked like it yesterday with all those Vikings fans. And and the dream is alive. Nine and eight or eight and nine. Maybe a playoff berth and a first-round exit. Purple purgatory. The Vikings are alive and well, Shereen. You know, I heard a stat yesterday, Mike, that I, in some ways amazed me, but they are the only team in the NFL that has had, had a, at least a seven-point lead in every game this year. So you think, man, their record should be better than what it is. Maybe they get it together. Maybe this is the start of something special for Minnesota. Nope. 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 All right, one more <laughs> for each of us. What do you got? movie before. I've seen, I've seen it I'm for gonna 50 go to, years. I'm going to go – I'm going to go the Steelers at home, Mike. I mean, you just can't lay that egg against Detroit. I mean, Detroit, winless Detroit. You go in there and you tie. You turn it over twice in overtime. I know Mason Rudolph didn't have much time to prepare. This is why you're backup quarterback. This is what you're called to do, to be ready when your number's called. I know you found out on Saturday that you, you were going to be the starting quarterback, but this was not a good performance. I think the Steelers have figured out they're going to need a new guy, a new franchise guy, if they didn't already know that. They know it now. Ben Roethlisberger leaves probably after this year. You're going to have to find a quarterback, Steelers. Hey, and – I said this earlier today on PFT Live. I don't want to pile on Mason Rudolph, but they know who he is. We know who he is. Everyone knows who he is. You got a 39-year-old quarterback with an extensive injury history with the looming possibility of a COVID positive at any time knocking him out, and Mason Rudolph is your plan B? No, there's other options out there. And I don't know whether it's just a situation of Ben Roethlisberger wanting to be the unchallenged alpha in the locker room, so we, but they had Mike Vick there in the past, and all the young players loved Mike Vick, and Roethlisberger wasn't threatened by that, so I don't get it. I don't understand why Mason Rudolph continued to be the backup quarterback for the Steelers when we saw time and again the limitations on his ability to win football games, and we saw it again yesterday. Last one for me, and it's going to be very brief because we got to take a break. We've already talked about it, but it was a surprise the way the Buccaneers struggled both sides yeah. of the ball. That drive they gave up to end the game, the longest drive of the season. The, as, as Mike Golick said today, the four-minute offense became the 10-minute offense. They went all the way down the field, 19 plays, 10 minutes, the fourth down play, the, the flat-footed run from shotgun formation when the Buccaneers' defense probably was assuming it was going to be some sort of a Taylor Heineke, try to find a guy in the end zone, if all else fails, run it in. It, 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 that, that was just a rip-your-heart-out moment, and it makes me wonder whether or not the Buccaneers can recover from it as quickly as they need to if they want to establish themselves as one of the favorites in the NFC. All right, let's go ahead and take a break so we can talk about what is coming tonight. Von Miller's debut with the Rams. Odo Beckham Jr.'s debut with the Rams as they take on the 49ers. We'll discuss that next on PFTPM. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. You know, you want to be where you feel loved and, and, and wanted and welcomed. And um, I, I just got that feeling, you know, from Vaughn and Jalen, all them boys, the receivers, when I got the call. And it just felt, it felt right in my heart. Uh, and it's something you got to go with your gut and your instinct. And... 
you take those steps forward and you, you just don't look back and you keep progressing um, and try and get better each and every day. So it felt right in my heart. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, pleasure to meet y'all. I'm excited. Much love. Odo Beckham Jr., you know, it's funny, and I don't want to belabor this point. I wrote about it at PFT. Some of the teams that were pursuing Odo Beckham Jr. came away from the experience saying it was a little bit of a cluster, and it makes me wonder if teams are going to be as anxious to chase him in March when he becomes a free agent again because there were teams, I'm told, Shereen, that were in the mix that never even got a, a phone call, an email, a text, or anything telling them they were out. I mean, it's the kind of thing that can, can linger in the mind of, of an executive that has to decide which free agents they're going to pursue. So anyway, the Rams have Odo Beckham Jr. He got number three, which apparently was very important to him. Odo, Odo Beckham Jr. is going to play tonight in part because Robert Woods tore an ACL in practice on Friday, so they need him more than they did. What do you expect to see from Odo Beckham Jr. tonight? Well, think about what we saw yesterday, Mike. We had two players with very little practice who made debuts with their new teams. We saw it go very, very well for Cam Newton in his nine plays, two touchdowns. We did not see it go as well for Deshaun Jackson, caught the 40-yard pass, and I have no idea if he got turned around, if he was dizzy, what he was doing, but he had a clear path to the end zone, and he turns the wrong way. It was almost like a punt return or something and, and fumbled the ball, so... I think we're going to have something in between those two from Odell Beckham today. It's much easier to learn plays as a receiver than it is to learn plays as a quarterback. We will see more plays from Odell Beckham. I don't expect a 100-yard game or anything like that, but I think he'll have two or three catches in this game and and maybe 30 yards, somewhere in that range, 30 to 40 yards would be my over-under. I'll go 45 and I'll take the over. I think that that Sean McVay is going to find a way to get him involved. I think we'll see bubble screens, jet sweeps, and maybe some stuff down the field. I think McVay, look, when you buy a a new sports car, I said this earlier today, you want to go drive it. Yeah. And it's Monday Night Football. And the Rams are all, you know, I don't want to say it's style over substance, but to them, style and substance are on the same level. And McVay has that rivalry with Kyle Shanahan, and it's believed that Kyle Shanahan is a big OBJ fan. I don't, even, I don't think the 49ers even got seriously into the mix, although Kyle Shanahan, Sims has said, really was raving about Beckham a few years ago. I think we're going to see Beckham involved, and I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun to watch Beckham. It's going to be yeah. fun to watch Von Miller. It's going to be fun to watch yeah. the Rams and the, the 49ers, who are 0-8 in their last eight home games, desperately need a win to get it back into things in the NFC, this, this, this is a game that has many layers and levels of intrigue. Oh, I can't wait for this one, Mike. Sort of like the Panthers yesterday. I really wanted to see that one. I wanted to see the Raiders Chiefs. Of course, that was over early. And I definitely wanted to see this game with the two new guys. How are they going to fit in on their teams? Two stars added to a star-studded lineup. This could go really well for the Rams tonight, Mike. And it really comes down in my mind to how quickly Sean McVay is able to incorporate plays that go to Odell Beckham, where he's the featured guy. Peter King said Friday that McVay told uh, told Beckham on Wednesday that Matthew Stafford will throw the ball to the open man. And and that's only part of the picture. You can construct an offense to showcase a guy. They showcase Cooper Cup from time to time. Last year, we talked about this while Beckham was looking for a team and and in the latter days of his time with the Browns. 
Kevin Stefanski showcased Odo Beckham Jr. against the Cowboys in Week Four. Cowboys, yeah. You can you can get a guy involved, and and I just I have a feeling, big audience, Peyton and Eli on ESPN two. I just have a feeling we're going to see Odo Beckham Jr. get involved, especially, and not not that they think about it at that kind of a granular level, but I think it's great to have Eli Manning in a position where he can comment on the receiver who became a superstar with Eli Manning as his quarterback. Well, and I'm going to I'm going to do another over under for you, Mike. Von Miller is going to add a lot to that defense. I'm going to do sacks at one sack. You go in the over or the under on that. I always like it. Uh, uh, let's make it point five. Let's make it point five. All right, one point five. If we, if we, if one point five, I'll go under. Okay. Will he have you one over? No, well, I, I, th- I think he'll have one. I don't think he'll have more than one. I, I think that it, sacks are difficult. Bill Belichick talked about this last week. Sacks are misleading. Sacks, the actual act of closing the deal, has a lot of factors that can derail it from happening. Pressure is the key. You want to be in the vicinity. Sometimes you'll get sacks. Sometimes you won't. How many pressures will he have? How about that? How about three and a half pressures okay. of Jimmy Garoppolo? You want over or under that? I'm still going to go under on that. I think it'll be somewhere around two to three. I think there's going to be a you? lot of adrenaline. I'll say over on that. Under on the sacks, over on the okay. pressures. Because how do you account for him? This is a guy that is used to being double teamed yeah. and also chipped with a third guy. With Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, you yep. can't do it. So uh, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. It may not be fun if you're a 49ers fan. could be a lot of fun if you're a Rams fan. And uh, we'll see how it all <laughs> plays out. Enjoy the game tonight. Shereen, great job as always, everyone. Check us out around the clock at ProFootballTalk.com. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.